Hi, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce finally, my book is out. Collaboration is the new competition. Why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and how not to get left behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then It's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and, in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, It results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. I have Tolu Adebekin with me. He is a speaker, a podcaster, a passionate leader. He talks about data. We are going to talk about the next thing you do is you digitally transform what you're doing, how to be a success. This is honestly the perfect guest for this podcast. Do not press pause right now. Go get your shoes on. Go for a walk. You're going to learn something new. Tolu, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I love just the conversations we've had so far about what is going on in business. So let's Mm. dive into it. 
about what people can expect in the next 10 years in their career. And to dive into that first, tell us a little bit about your past decade, what you've been working in, and what perspective you're bringing to this conversation. And then I'm going to grill you, really, is how it comes down. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. So I studied international business with media slash communications, and I graduated in 2011. I went and started working for a company called Sky. So Sky News, Sky Sports, they're owned by Comcast in the States. And basically, I started off as a graduate. So I started off doing general rotation, sales and marketing, finance. I did a little stint in analytics, which was what absolutely captured me. So for me, I'm a super curious person and analytics allows me to explore that. So I spent the last 12 years working in analytics for advanced advertising. So smart tech within advertising for TV. And then the last two years of that, I was working in data visualization. So figuring out how to get our whole organization up to speed, understanding data viz. And then I recently left and now I'm working for a data literacy academy. Okay, so this is where I come in. (laughs) You are the director of data and insight over at the Data Literacy Academy. And so what we want to talk about in the show is that specifically, we are all in the tech business now. I don't care if you're an artist, if you're working in manufacturing, if whatever job you have, HR, you name it. We are all in the tech business now. So tell me what that is from your perspective. So... What we're realizing is that there's almost a bit of a divide. So you've got business people on one side and often tech people on the other side. And the kind of the data techie people speak a specific language that often doesn't translate into commercial terms. And the commercial guys want something out of the data, but they're a bit scared of it. They're not sure about it because it seems so complicated. So what we try and do is attack that problem from both sides so that the data and the tech people can become a bit more commercial. They can communicate things in a way that's not as intimidating. And the business commercial people can start to get their heads around data because they're closest to the problems that need to be solved every day with data and with tech. So if we can bring those two things together, we get this kind of perfect meeting in the middle where actually both sides of the business are using data and commercial to make our businesses fit for the future. Awesome. A lot of people throw that phrase around, data-driven decisions. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Okay, easier said than done. So from your role, tell me what that really means to you. So we talk about data-guided decisions versus data-driven decisions, because sometimes data-driven sounds like you just take the data and that's it. But the people who are working in companies are there because they've got intuition, they've got industry knowledge, they understand the business. So what we do is we use data as the foundation, and then we overlay those things on top so that things can be data-guided. So the data can help us prove or disprove what we think. The data can add to the intuition that we have, or it can add to our understanding of the business. So it's really about how do we get data to everybody? How do we get it to be self-serve? And how can that start to empower people to make decisions more confidently and based on data a bit more than just those other things? But it's all working together. It's not one or the other. Oh, that is so beautiful. This idea of being compelled instead of driven toward some outcome. Guided along the way. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. But you said something right at the end about helping your team to be adept here. So let's dive into the Data Literacy Academy and really what it's about in terms of what you need to do with your workforce and for your workforce in order to really make this work. Sometimes it can be like, okay, go and do this video training. And by the time you've done four hours of training, you'll be ready to do data. 
So what people don't understand sometimes is that there is a taught fear around data. Like we've been taught over the years that data is complicated, analytics is hard, maths is this, maths is that. But actually, when people start to get into it, and we do quite a, it's a journey of probably about, let's say, eight months that we would take people over. So we do live learning once a week. We have homework. We follow up. We've got an online platform. So we do all these things to help people get comfortable with what's going on with data and to start to apply that into their day job. So it needs to be super practical. You need to be able to ask the questions and hear how this can apply to you day to day. But it also needs to be pretty consistent over time because people don't just learn something that they're quite afraid of in one month. There's a cadence to which you have to be engaging with people over time to really make this part of their day-to-day life. I love this because this approach is so like what I do in digital transformation success in the social influence side of things, where I teach people over 12 weeks to become an influencer in the B2B world on LinkedIn. And I agree with you. It's first of all, it's that intimidation factor. Clear it out. right? So quit being afraid of it, make it approachable, but then you've got to be very consistent. You can't learn how to ride a bike at a webinar, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So you got to get in with it, but let me unpack a little bit more about what you're saying. You say here that the data and tech people over here and the business people over here, these are two different cultures that are colliding. Help us understand just so people feel like, oh, it's not just me. This is happening in a lot of businesses. These cultures they get so stacked on themselves and get so siloed. So what is it that you're seeing? So when I think back to when I started working in advertising tech, so my team would go out with the salespeople when there were going to be data conversations with other businesses. So we were selling advertising space or slots, and we'd go out to advertisers who want to use more data, but the salespeople didn't necessarily know what to talk about. And because I come from a background, I'm not actually a tech person by background or a data person by background, right? I'm a business person first. So I've actually been on the journey that a lot of our students are going on where, okay, this data thing is new. I know I need to understand it, but it seems so far away. So I think for me, I've always just been able to explain it really simply because that's how I've had to learn it. So I've been on that journey of becoming data literate and being able to use that in my day to day. So clients would enjoy having me in the meetings because I don't speak like a data person. I speak to them like a business person, things they they can understand because data at the core of it, like at Data Literacy Academy, we talk about it, it's a business principle first and a technical discipline second. So yes, there are some technical elements to it, but at the core of it, data is really about driving the business forward. And everything else we do technically is to help that goal. Oh my gosh. You just said that business principle first and data element second. Yeah. Like a technical thing second. It's really about the business first. Okay. I really love this. Today I had a gal job shadowing me. She's a junior in college. And she asked me at the end, at the end of our day, she was like, okay, what advice would you give me? And I mm. started with the phrase, we're all in the tech business. I know you yeah. want to be a content writer. I know you want to be a creative, but you have to understand tech. Right? 100%. And the next thing I said to her is look at the company. If you don't understand the tech behind the finances, you will never be at the top levels. You'll never be at the C-suite. So this is a lot about what you're saying. If you don't speak business in terms, then you're not going to get that kind of access and you're not really going to be able to make those decisions. So help me understand this. We see these two data cultures. So you hear this and Mm. you say you're going to take business principles and then help them understand, unpack. Here are the technical elements to it, but these are the business principles. How can we come together? But what does this sound like when companies come to you? These people are in different departments, their different roles. What does it really look like day to day? 
So what we really try and do is to spread a data literate culture as far through the organization as possible. So we will work with people from all different levels, all different teams. We start at the leadership level and go and have some of those conversations to understand what's going on. Then we do some customization to understand, okay, what language do we need to be using that people can understand? And then when we're in the classes, we're talking really practical problems. So sometimes I'll ask, okay, what are some things that you think that data could help with your day job? And in those conversations, we identify use cases. We help to bridge some of those gaps. So I can teach them, for example, okay, how do you actually create a business case that is compelling for someone more senior to say, oh, okay, this is the problem you have. This is how much it's costing us as a business. This is what we need to do about it. So we take them all the way through the whole process to make sure that actually it's not just identifying and understanding where data can help, but how do you actually pitch that to senior levels to get that done? Because that's often where people will also struggle in communicating that data to really get stuff done and get problems solved. Oh, okay. Let me just tell you from sitting at it from the digital marketing side of life and world, yes. this is almost painful what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and continue talking here. Yeah, but yeah. I love what you're saying is that really at the end of the day, you're really helping teams to build strong communication skills around yes. a shared vernacular. Exactly that. So let's break this down just when we think about how companies need to have digital transformation success. They're trying to bring their team through the next wave of whatever their remits are to hit their goals. But I know from leading a digital marketing agency <laughs> that there is a lot of technology and it is like trying to bring here are the creative people over here and help them understand what we're talking about. I'm going to throw out one acronym and let me just tell you you probably could give me a list of 100 acronyms that people in tech <laughs> throw <Yeah>. out. <laughs> but in marketing, probably the most number one that gets thrown around all the time that really is database but is misunderstood is ROI. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that and how your team understands that and why that is a key component of data literacy? So I think in some ways, it depends on the drivers of your business. So ROI is a top driver for many businesses. And what we talk about is, okay, how is what you're doing with data? How's what you're doing in your day-to-day -day job helping to drive or to increase ROI? So it depends on what industry you're in, for example. So let's say manufacturing. If you can use data to improve the quality of what you're doing, you can use data to decrease the issues, to decrease the downtime, then actually your ROI over time, depending on how you calculate it, is going to be higher. It's not necessarily like you're going to say, okay, I did this one data course and it led to this things. But when you look at the combination of time saved, cost saved, people not leaving the company, your return on investment, which is what ROI stands for, is actually what's going to be improving over time. So it really depends on your business and how it runs. But the kind of the core principle is really, if we can make better decisions, if we can do things more efficiently, if we can keep people happier, then actually our return on investment is going to keep going up and up. I love that. And that's, you look at, you talk about manufacturing. I think about the HR side all over the place. We determined one year that every time we were hiring the wrong person in this one seat, it was costing us $12,000. Wow. Just out the door. Mm. <laughs> and it made us really stop and think when we are making that next interview, are we mm. sure what we're doing? And mm. do we want to throw $12,000 out the window? Yes. I, for it one, gives, as the owner, don't want to. <laughs> it gives a very tangible thing for people to be thinking about. Because right. people generally don't think in terms of 
actually, if I've got 10 people in this meeting, there is a cost per hour of each of those people. So if 10 of us are in a meeting, this is the cost. If we hire the wrong person, $12,000 is that cost. So it's a really nice, tangible way for people to understand what's going on. And I love it on the flip side of the value of people too, because we have Mm -hmm. sometimes just social hours that are a great time for our group to get together. And I've also talked about the return of investment on those moments, because I'll even use language like, hey guys, this is a very expensive meeting and completely worth it. And then they look around the room. This isn't just us having a silly quiz and sharing, swapping stories and getting to know Mm. each other and being an office and being a team. It's Mm. me saying, no, I'm investing in you all. And the return on this investment is that you would like each other and that you would communicate better. And for them to realize this is an expense for the company Mm. right now. Exactly. (laughs) And those are the kinds of things where it's a bit harder to quantify and say, okay, this was directly because everyone likes each other a bit more. But over time, you see the wins. Over time, that actually we're more efficient. Actually, we don't spend as much time bickering. Actually, these are all the small things that go towards us being great. So ROI is such an interesting concept and so important to think about in, okay, what are we actually getting out of this? Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. Yes, I finally wrote my book. I'm an author. It's published. It's available on Amazon. And you ask, Priscilla, how did you do it? (laughs) Are you an aspiring author looking to transform your ideas into a compelling book that elevates your brand and establishes your authority or in your industry? You're probably like me and wondering how on earth you're actually going to make that happen given all of the demands of your busy schedule. Well, I didn't do it alone. And that's the good news. But you also want to be in the process in such a meaningful way. And I know there's some talk out there about people ghostwriting books, but that's really not a good formula for communicating truly what you know and how you know it. Instead, I prefer a scribe method. And what this involves is you getting large chunks of time where you're talking one-on-one with a scribe and working your ideas out all the while a transcript is happening. And then someone can go in, refine, edit, and then present back to you what you said. So don't let your story remain untold just because you have a busy schedule. I want to put you in touch with a scribe that would work for you and see what it would take to get you further down the road to becoming that published author. Just send me a line at info at littlebirdmarketing.com and I'll help you take that next step, give you the link to make that connection and see if this is right for you. Don't miss out on an opportunity to make your mark in the literary world. I know you have a book in you. Okay. So let's say you come into an organization and you're trying to suss out what they really need in terms of what is the next best step for them for data literacy so that they can achieve success as they're becoming more and more digitally transformed. So you're listening for certain things and you're thinking about what results they might have. What's going on in that room? What does that sound like? And how are you framing up how to put together a win for teams? I think it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of curiosity. So I think, to be honest, curiosity in data transformation, analytics, anything like that is your biggest superpower. Because the more you can hear and understand what's going on, but also why it's going on, 
the more equipped you're going to be to solve the problem. So it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of asking questions and getting to really understand where companies are at and why they're there. Was it because actually there was a CEO, two CEOs back who made a big mess out of this and now people are scared? Is it actually a new CEO? that's So it's all these types of things that we try and understand and then get a baseline understanding of, okay, where are people's levels at right now? Because also data is one of those things where people often think they're better at it than they are. So the people who can do spreadsheets and things like that think they might be data engineers, but in reality, like that's quite early in the flow. Whereas some of the people who actually spend a lot of time with lots of data people, they feel less data literate when actually they might be a bit better than they think. So I think it's called like the Dunning-Kruger effect. But these are some of the things that we're trying to understand is where are these companies at in terms of their data literacy journey? Okay. I love that. There's some kind of an evaluation really about what they want to get out of it, but also what's the context going on. But give me a couple of those examples. So you mentioned manufacturing. Let's talk about some of the different verticals and how different it is, how data literacy training might look different at different companies. Ironically, it might not look as different as you'd think. So what you might tweak are some of the customization. So in manufacturing, in your examples, you might talk about production lines and different things like that. At a university, you'll talk about student numbers or class processes. So the core of it is quite similar, but it's some of those bits around the edge that helping people to understand in their language, that's really what's going to be quite different. Okay. Can you give me a couple of examples so I can understand what are manufacturing teams coming to you asking for? And I guess that's the thing is that we don't necessarily make them ask us for things, if that makes sense. Mm. So we will understand, okay, these are the, we've got 20 modules, whatever it is. These are the four or five that we think would be perfect for you guys. So we do it that way. So it's not even like they necessarily know immediately what they're going to need, but through like the leadership conversations, through the learning need assessments, then we start to understand what it is that they really want. But at the core of it, it's going to be things like, for example, interpreting and communicating data is going to be pretty important for everybody. Storytelling with data is going to be very crucial if you're going to drive a data literate culture. People have to understand, okay, I've got my data. And this was one of my biggest lessons as an analyst is that you do hundreds of calculations. You go through so many different things in your analysis. And then when you get to present it to your senior person, you want to show them all the work you've done. You want to prove your value. This is why you pay me this really expensive salary. You want to prove it to them, but they don't care about 80% of what you've done. What they want is that 10 to 20% that they can then go in action and that they can really understand really easily. So storytelling with data, for example, is something that every organization is going to need. So what I'm feeling as you're saying that Mm. is that a lot of times now you come into a job and that job function operates somewhere on the spectrum of data literacy. And unfortunately, those are like tasks that people expect you to do. So help me understand this. This is the way I see it. You might have to work with data. Who doesn't? Everybody Everybody is dealing with it in some way. And to me, that's the middle section of the spectrum. But oftentimes, companies don't take the time to go back and either teach the fundamentals or help you understand why it is. And so instead, they just start helping people work with the data. Okay, just do this job, but they don't understand where it's coming from. And correct me if I'm wrong, the things you were just talking about, storytelling or making better informed decisions with the data, that's, to me, very far down the spectrum. So do you see it like that? Like it moves along a continuum or... In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. So you might have someone who is, for example, in one of our manufacturing companies, there are some people there that don't use laptops. They don't have email. They don't do anything like that. But 
they can still see the processes that might be painful from an organizational perspective. For example, when it comes to holiday and timesheets, it's all done on paper. And what we want to empower is someone super far down in the organization to still be able to say, look, is this the best way for us to get data from one place to another? Some of the things we talk about are, okay, data is everyone's responsibility, not just the data team. So if you see something that doesn't work well with data, you should be empowered to go and tell your senior person that actually this doesn't work. What you can do there is if you take that example, you can say every Monday we spend two hours everyone writing that stuff down. And then this person spends another three hours inputting it all into the computer. So we're spending five hours every week, which adds up to this every month, which adds up to this every year. And this is the big cost. And someone who's super junior in the organization or not very kind of data literate can still do that kind of thing and tell that story. So that's where it is a bit of a bit of a spectrum. But at the same time, we want people super early in their journey to be able to make some of those really easy and really impactful changes. So it doesn't have to be because they've done regression modeling or anything like that. It's just because they understand some of the core principles and they can tell a really good story to get action done. I love it. And what this really comes back to is just one main question, which is what frustrates you about your job? <laughs> exactly. It's literally that. What frustrates you about your job and how can you make it better with data? Because most things can. This is so funny because in digital marketing, we start with the strategy, of course, and start with the ideal client persona and understand yes. what is frustrating people. And I always start with companies saying, when you talk to that most ideal client and they mm. say to you, ah. What's that next thing that comes out of their mouth? Yes. <laughs> if you can solve that, <laughs> then I can yes. make you a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. So in that strong communication building, and then you're creating a shared vernacular, and you're scratching the surface and saying, can we get deeper? Can we get deeper? Let me ask you again, what's frustrating you? What's getting at the bottom of this? I see that you would be creating something that is not a top-down application of digital transformation, but really digital transformation happening organically all throughout the entire organization. 100%. So it's almost like that thing of top-down, bottom-up, kind of meeting in the middle, and it comes all the way through the organization. Because sometimes when things come top-down, they get lost in translation. But we had an amazing example where one of the guys who's in our pilot, he was like, I've actually been teaching other people what I've been learning in these courses. So it's already happening at that kind of horizontal or down and up level. He's teaching people what he's learning. So that's the real key to it is to get buy-in across the whole organization, get it spread everywhere. And everyone's moving towards the same thing. And no one's getting left behind because I was just told to do it. I love that. And when I started Digital Transformation Success podcast itself... Mm. I remember communicating to my whole team, everything we do, we're going to have to digitally transform every single action every, you do. Think yeah. to yourself, how yeah. could this be digitally better? And this yeah. was years ago, but my selfish reason for starting this podcast was because I'm an expert in digital transformation in this tiny piece of okay. business, in mm -hmm. marketing mm -hmm. and social mm -hmm. influence. Like I know mm -hmm. how to make that happen. But I have so many blind spots to where digital transformation is happening in organizations. And honestly, I wanted to just hear from all kinds of experts from different sides of it. So I thought, this is selfish of me. I'm this just going to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is honestly, it's the best way to hear amazing ideas from people that you may have never met before. So I'm very much with you. It's a great idea. I love this. To me, it feels like this requires investment in your people, but it yes. also requires an incredible value on emotional intelligence. So 
Can you explain a little bit about how you feel like these things are connected? And it feels to me like this is the approach at the Data Literacy Academy. Yeah, I think so much, so many times, companies will spend a lot of money on tech, a lot of money on automation, but it will fail because it's not being adopted within the organization. And at Data Literacy Academy, we talk about the hearts and minds. So we talk about winning the hearts and minds of people as we're spreading the data literacy, because if actually they understand it and it's explained to them in a way that's not intimidating, that's not offensive, that they don't feel stupid. Because sometimes I've been in rooms with data people where the way that they're talking to the commercial teams sounds like the commercial teams are really stupid. And that's unfortunately quite a common thing. So as we as Data Literary Academy go into organizations, you're right, we do have to employ a lot of emotional intelligence. We have to very quickly understand, okay, this is why this bruise is here. This is why actually the resistance is here, because at the core of it, people want to do their jobs. They want their jobs to go well. And if there's stuff that can help them with their jobs, why would they resist it? And it's because of those other things that are happening around. And we do have to go in with a lot of emotional intelligence, with a lot of patience, with a lot of understanding to really impact that change, because that's what adoption is about, is getting people to welcome a new technology and not resist it. The technology is neutral. It's the stuff around it that causes the friction. Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story. (laughs) So this was friction in my life about 20 years ago. And I remember calling the IT guy and I I was like, hey, I can't get this to work on my computer, blah, 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 explain the whole thing. And then I try and do this. And then this box comes up and it tells me this and this, and I don't know what to do, but I can't get out of it. And I can't, oh, just around and round in circles. And I'm like, mm. can you just come here and take a look at it and figure it out? Yeah. <laughs> and no joke, I am like not making this up, I promise. He came into my office, stands behind me. Then I pull it up and I make it happen again. And he goes, oh, a dialogue box. That's what you mean, you do this. And I'm like, I told Why you it was a box. Why would I know it's called a dialogue box? Yeah. <laughs> and I told you it was a box and I told you it was telling me something. Yes. So why am yes. I the idiot for not knowing that it was called? If I had just called it a dialogue box, you would have understood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is where both sides have to work with that. Because also, if he's never told you it's called a dialogue box, why would you know that? That's where both sides have to be able to communicate better. Right. So yes, we help people with data literacy, but it's not their fault that they don't know that it's called a dialogue box. So it's actually, how do we work with grace and with patience with everybody? Because just if you try to explain something to him that was more kind of marketing or something like that, he'd have no idea. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm over it though. But you're right. It's patience. It's patience both grace sides. Grace and patience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grace and patience from I everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as thank you for coming and talking to us about this. And for me, the hope is just bringing that anxiety level down for people about what is next in their job, what we yeah. need to do in our workspace to make it more efficient, number one. That's what we have to do in order to continue to be competitive. But we also have to work together better on these systems. And we can't really innovate around our systems if we don't even understand why we have certain systems and what they're designed to do. Agreed. (laughs) Just as a thank you for really being here to pull the curtain back a little bit and let people see, hey, It's just a guy back here and this is how we run the machine Mm. and we can help you. But what do you think would be a good question or what would people do if they wanted to learn a little bit more about Data Literacy Academy and what they should do next to invest in their people? 
Yeah. So I think if we consider those the other way around in terms of investing in your people, it's really about building a culture of curiosity is a really good starting point and encouraging curiosity, encouraging exploration. And the fact that if people try something and it doesn't work, it's very okay. So that thing we talk about with grace and patience is that no one should be making anybody else feel stupid for being curious because curiosity is how we get all the innovations that we've ever had. So it's really about how do we make our culture curious and fail fast and fail first so that actually we can get to the right things that we need to. In terms of how can people get in touch with us at Data Literacy Academy? So we operate all over the world, UK, America, wider Europe, the Middle East. So we can operate anywhere. And if people go to dl-academy.com, then they can see all the stuff we do. You'll see my face on there with a bit more hair, but you'll see all the things that we do on there and just book in a chat with us and book in a call. And we can start to understand if we can help your organization, how we can help and what that looks like. So we do a lot of pilots and things like that. But yes, dl-academy.com. And then, yeah, you can look through our website or feel free to reach out directly to me as well if people prefer. I think the favorite thing about this conversation to me has been the humanity of it all and understanding that people are coming to work and wanting to do their best and wanting to communicate with their teams. But there are some systems, there's some roadblocks we're actually probably putting up or contributing to maybe even without knowing that. And so helping people break down some of those silos is probably the first biggest step there. So thank you so much, Tolu, for helping us just lose a little bit of the anxiety about what it's going (laughs) to take that next step, because that is about when we want to have success with whatever digital transformation remit that we've been given, we need to really think about the humans behind it. And I appreciate that perspective. It's my absolute pleasure and hearts and minds change everything. So I had some super patient people who taught me along my data journey. So for me, I'm very passionate about everybody being able to have that good experience because a lot of this stuff, none of it is really beyond the wit of man. People can understand this if you teach it to them in the right way. It's not that people are stupid. We just haven't taught them in the right way. So I'm super passionate about getting that education, that understanding, that curiosity into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. I love it. And if we're helping you at all on your digital transformation journey, then please, wherever you're getting this podcast from, please give us a review. We want other people to discover this and understand just how easy it is to get started. Start listening to the next podcast or the next speaker. Even if it's somebody who is talking about something you don't totally understand, listen to it a few times. Ask the questions. This is Tolu telling you, get curious. It's okay. (laughs) We can all (laughs) handle it. And you can even be the podcast host of a digital transformation podcast and still be learning every day. And that is just a beautiful thing. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.